Welcome to the Locked On White Sox podcast. I am your host, Herb Lawrence. Appreciate you joining me. This is episode number five. Oh my goodness. The response so far, the likes, the replies on Twitter, the everything that you guys have already done for the first four episodes is overwhelming. I cannot believe how many people have liked and commented back that they like what we're doing here on Locked on White Sox. I can't say thank you enough, and hopefully you'll stay with us throughout because, as I've been teasing, we're going to get a co-host. This guy or girl is outstanding at their job and will do a great job here on the Locked on White Sox podcast and make this even more listenable, even more enjoyable, will help me be the calm guy that I know I can be, be rational with my White Sox thoughts, be thoughtful with my White Sox thoughts. This guy or girl will be that for me. So thank you for listening, subscribing, telling your friends, sharing on Twitter. We're going to get it on Apple. That is our number one goal now. I don't know what's going on in Apple. I can't speak for them. We applied a long time ago. We tried And they said early this week we should be on Apple. We're recording this on November 11th, Veterans Day, and we want to definitely say what's up and give respect to everybody that it served, including my family, my father who has passed, and his brothers were all in the Navy. We really appreciate our vets. My friend Thomas Hall was an Army Reserve guy, very much appreciate everything that you guys have done to serve this country to sacrifice for us. Very special guest today, MLB Network. He also works in NHL and DAZN. It's Steven Nelson. I didn't know when I first will start following Steven that he's a huge White Sox fan. I'm going to get the answer from when I talk to him in a couple minutes why and how he became a White Sox fan. Because I don't believe he is from Chicago. I Just following him on Twitter, it doesn't seem like he's from Chicago. He doesn't live in Chicago now. It's a very exclusive thing to be a White Sox fan. Either parent was a White Sox fan, you're from here, from the south side. That makes you a White Sox fan. It's very weird that you get a guy that's, you know, not living in Illinois, not living on the south side of Chicago, that happens to be a White Sox fan too. Right before the break, I want to get to the quote by Kenny Williams today. He arrived at the GM meetings saying, well, we're ready to do business as usual. Well, actually, this is not business as usual. Paraphrasing there, I love you, Kenny. I do. You won us the 2005 World Series. You have a job for life for me as a White Sox fan. You have made a lot of bad moves, but, you know, that 2005 erases a lot of the badness. What I want to tell you is when it comes to dealing with the media, talking to the people, let Rick Hahn do it. As you famously said, stay out of White Sox business. You said that to a Hall of Famer, Frank Thomas. Ridiculous, by the way. Rick does better massaging the truth, lying to us. Rick does better with nuance. Rick does better with things that you don't have to be harsh on. He understands the media game. You, Kenny, do not. White Sox fans do not want to hear from you as a whole. I'm not speaking for them, but for the most part, that's all I've been seeing on Twitter and all the rest of the blogs. White Sox fans are not interested in that. Another thing I want to promote before we take a break and get to Steven Nelson from MLB Network, check out from the 108 
They did an interview with myself, just released it today, asking me about my White Sox fandom, uh, guys that I like in the industry, guys who do things, blogs or podcasts. To speak to that, I mentioned a couple people's names. A couple of those people I spoke to before this all kicked off and wanted to do a long-form interview with them on the Locked On White Sox podcast. That will happen soon. So I had to get Lawrence on first. He was a must-have on my first interview show. Steven Nelson, to have him, a national guy, say yes, and he's a White Sox fan, such a blessing. And now, after these, I'm probably going to talk to guys who I mentioned in that interview, the guys from 108. I'm going to get them on. I'm going to get Tony Marchese. I hope I'm saying your name right, Tony. It looks like Marchese to me. I don't know if I can say that right. I I have a horrible uh, accent there. Let's see who else. Uh, White Sox Dave. We're going to have a dinner because he owes me from a line I bet. Uh, I'm going to try to get him on. Also, Patrick Nolan, Josh Nelson, uh, Jim Margulis. Those are the guys from Sox Machine. Uh, James Fox, a big-time White Sox fan. Matt Zawoski, good guy out there. Uh, if I'm missing anybody else, you guys will tell me. Jonda, hopefully I'll get him on. We're going to try to get everybody's thoughts about their White Sox offseason. You'll hear from your favorite White Sox blogger, favorite White Sox po- podcaster. They'll be on here. Tell me at Locked On Sox which guy or girl you want me to interview, you want me to talk to about the White Sox. Please, Locked On Sox is the Twitter handle. I'm going to get an email. It's just going to be LockedOnSox at gmail.com. LockedOnSox, all one word, at gmail.com. So after the break, I'll talk to MLB Network Steven Nelson about his White Sox fandom and what he thinks we can do in the 2020 offseason to get this better. You're listening to Locked On White Sox, and I'm your host, Herb Lawrence. Welcome back to Locked On White Sox. I am your host, Herb Lawrence, and with me is a special guest. You see him on MLB Network, NHL Network, The Zone Network. Wherever there's some sports to be talked about, you'll find Steven Nelson. And Steven Nelson joins me right here on Locked On White Sox. Thank you for joining me, Steven. Herb, it's an honor, man. We've been like chopping it up on Twitter for years and years, and so to finally do it to, together on this podcast and talk some socks, I'm pumped about it. Though... I will have to amend your intro. I don't. I don't think I'm at the level of a special guest. I think I'm, I'm just a guest. I'm just. I'm, I'm along for the ride. And the guy is modest too. So you know, you got the whole package. <laughs> I'm surprised when I watch and I see you on Twitter that you're a White Sox fan. I. Yeah, I. Man. I don't know how that happens. I. If I recall correctly, you are from Hawaii originally. Yeah. Southern California. Southern so California. It's a, it's it's a fair it's a fair question. But yeah, lifelong diehard White Sox fan. So my mom's side, my Japanese side of my family is from Hawaii. My dad and his whole family they're from Chicagoland, and they're still there. So his whole family, like my grandparents, my uncles, they all bleed cubby blue. But my dad, when he was a kid, is like I, I I hate tattoo bears, and I don't want to root for one. And that kind of led him to the South side. And he, you know, he grew up going to Comiskey and, you know, that was his team, despite like his, his family's fandom and tendencies. 
uh, he he repped the White Sox, and so I followed him for you know all of his sports fandom. So it's you know White Sox, Hawks, Bears. Not a Bulls fan um, because some players who were on the team when he was a kid were mean to him one time when he went to a game at Chicago Stadium, and so he's like, "I'm not rooting for this team anymore." So, very wise choice by him. Yeah, yeah. He- honestly, man, like I gotta tell you, it's just a it's it's been a tough winter, and it's going to be a tough winter. It seems like in Chicago sports. That's so. I, that's I think everybody's kind of looking toward the hot stove season in baseball to make, to make us feel better about the Sox and, or the Cubs. Um, so yeah, because the, the bears have been brute, absolutely brutal. Uh, the Hawks are, who knows what is going on with it. It's lifeless right now. And, uh, we don't even need to get into the bulls. That's just been a, a circus. I want to know, is there a major league baseball team that you look at and you wish like if the white Sox were like them, I would be Ooh. a little bit more happy with how our team is structured. Well, so I think the Yankees and the Red Sox are easy knee-jerk answers because they win so damn much and they spend what's necessary to do so. But for me, I think I'm going to look at two other clubs. First and foremost, the Dodgers. Now, L.A. has won seven straight division titles and won 106 games this year, and they also have a top three to five farm system, depending on what publication you're looking at. Now, folks are going to be like, well, they haven't won a World Series in 31 years now. Fair, but they're dancing every single year. And quite frankly, that's all I want as a fan is to have my team competitive and playing in the postseason. And beyond that, they draft and develop, which is something that the Sox absolutely need to do better at. You could just look at their track record or first-round picks since the turn of the century. It ain't a pretty thing to look at. But for L.A., their core has been homegrown, drafted and developed, and not just top you know, 10 or 20 guys. They're first-rounders in there for sure, like Kershaw and, and Bueller, mm-hmm. Bellinger, um, May, Lux, Smith, all in one draft class. So that's the first franchise. Secondly, the Rays. Because if you're not going to spend like Boston or New York, then spend smart. And the Rays are probably smarter and more efficient than anybody in baseball. If you just look at this past year, they won, what, 96 games? And their payroll was $63 million. So you're spending less than $700,000 per win. And you also have a top farm system. The Rays are one of those teams, like, whenever they make a trade for somebody, like, if, if the Rays ask me for a player, I'm going to be like, wait a minute, maybe I don't <laughs> want to give you this player anymore because that means they're probably good. Running things from two different perspectives, L.A. and Tampa, in terms of payroll spending and the uh, market size, but obviously Friedman going to L.A. from, from Tampa, they run similarly, similarly in that they encourage building organizational depth on the back of drafting and developing. All right, some positivity about the White Sox. Now, what about the White Sox and how they run their organization besides the loyalty do you like what they're doing right now? My favorite things about the White Sox, Eloy Jimenez and Jason Benetti. I think those are the <laughs> that those, works. those are my two those are my two favorite things. Oh, and you know ballpark food. Um, my, mm. the best brat I've ever had in my life was was on the South Side and uh, Dan Plesac, of course, who, who works with I work with at the network prides himself on being a ballpark food connoisseur, and he raves 
uh, about the Chicago White Sox from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's probably too sentimental for sports, which is rooted in competition and results. But I, I do appreciate that loyalty thing. Like, I, I, I mean, as I've grown older, from my perspective in, in working in broadcasting, like when I first got out of college, like, oh, where do you want to work? And like, what's your dream job? And I always be, oh, this network, that network, you know, you know, the biggest one out there, yada, yada, yada. Now it's like I appreciate quality of life and, like, quality of situation. And by all accounts from the, you know, handful of people that I talk to that I think are, are quality individuals, they all say that the, the White Sox are a great organization to root for. So, you know, that's a feather in its cap. But uh, – <laughs> But if we're if you're saying Nelson, I'm not going to allow you to, to to use that as the answer. Then I'm going to go Eloy and Jason Benetti. That works. For, oh, that works for me. And Eloy Jimenez is a bright spot for the future. What yep. about 2020? I myself think they should be competing for the AL Central. Do you think they're at that time, or you think there's still one, two more years of rebuild to go? So, Herb, where I think you and I are similar is that, like, pessimism gets us through it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we have to be <laughs> negative and cynical about everything that happens with our team because that just helps us survive. I don't know if they're ready to win the division in 2020, but you listen to Rick Hahn and, and Ricky Renteria, they're saying all the right things, that it's time to turn the page, it is time to win ball games, And I undoubtedly agree with that. And we've seen recent examples of teams going from around the 90 loss mark to postseason, not just contention, but spots. Uh, the Twins did it a couple of years ago. They lost, what, 100, 100 games mm-hmm. uh, around there, and then and then they were back in it, and then had a down year, and then you know to obviously took the division crown in, in 2019. So it, it can be done, but there's just so much work to be done this offseason season. To do that, right? Like, like the to-do list for me is pretty lengthy. And let's get to that. What do you want the White Sox to do to compete in 2020? And then after that, what do you think they're actually going to do this offseason? <laughs> you know that they are going to be. I'll get to that in a second. Okay, so my to-do list, I think the first thing you have to do is just maybe enjoy a nice dinner with Scott Boris. Oh, yes. Just, just, just take them out, you know, wine them and dine them. Put the water under the bridge because we all know about the history and the talk about the two sides. But the fact is this. Cole, Strasburg, Ryu, Keiko, Rendon Moustakis, Castellanos, all of them are Boris Corp clients. Mm-hmm. He controls this market unlike anybody else. So just get things going with a nice dinner. you know, And, and, and pick a spot that you like as well because you're going to want to enjoy the food at the very least. Um, after that, the Sox just have to be aggressive and, like, actually aggressive. Don't go after relatives. Don't bring in best friends. Go after dudes. Target them and don't kind of go after them. Like, look at Manny last year. And it, I didn't lose sleep that they didn't sign Manny Machado. What bothered me was how it went down. Like, that was their guy, and they were seemingly his team. Like, the Yankees were not going to bring him in, so it was like, okay, the White Sox, that's the fit. And then from the outside, it seemed like Manny's number was definitely $300 million. And the response to that was, we'll maybe give you, potentially give you 320 to 350 but we're only going to give you 270 280 to start. And Manny was like, no, nah, but 
this team's actually going to hit the number. Like, the number is 300. Like, that's kind of everybody knows it. Yeah. That team hit it. Oh, I'm going to sign with them. So the Sox are now sitting in this boat where, listen, again, didn't lose sleep at the time or in hindsight that Manny Machado's not there, but it was just the process. Where they sit now is the Sox could triple their current payroll commitments and still have 25 to $30 million in flexibility. They can just play with $26 million. I'm not saying be reckless because I'm as frugal as it gets and I love a good deal. Chalk that up to my mom. She instilled that in me. But don't let that be an excuse. And I also realize that you have to ink some extensions of this young core over the next few years. So that's bullet point one. I'll try and move quickly, Herb. I'm sorry for rambling. No problem. Two, what exactly do they need? Pitching and defense. You look at the last four teams that win a World Series, there were all of them were top 10 in starters ERA. This year, the Sox were 24th, 25th in opponents OPS. Four of the last five World Series champions were top 15 when it comes to defensive efficiency. Now, the Astros were an outlier in 2017, but this year, the Sox were 23rd in defensive efficiency. Now, right field was a black hole. Tied for last in DRS, defensive run saves. Outfield as a whole wasn't much better, 27th overall. Now, the Marin- like the Seattle Mariners were the only team with a lower fielding percentage in baseball, and they were a laughing stock because of that. They were just kicking the ball all over the field, and that was the only thing worse than the White Sox. So before now and then, address that. Maybe send Tim Anderson to that Ron Washington school of shortstopping like Marcus Semyon went to and totally changed his mm-hmm. career um, because his 26 errors, like that, that he took a huge step offensively. I'm so pumped that he won the batting title. Now, Hey, let's do it in the field as well, because 26 errors like that just can't, that can't happen moving forward. So address the pitching and the defense. And the lastly, like, you know, you can harp on the need for starting pitching all you want, but this lineup is still not complete. Like you still need more offensive balance. And I'm not, not necessarily talking about, Left-handers, like only give me left-handers. You have the fewest walks in the American League, third fewest runs, third fewest home runs, fifth lowest on-base percentage. The OPS was like bottom four as well. Like you have to get better across the board and bring in players who will help you do that. So that's kind of like my how I view this offseason, the the checklist, the to-do list. Um, I'm I'm sure, though, you have players in mind that you would actually like to bring in to get those boxes checked so who are your guys Rendon my top guy is Rendon I know that's a pipe dream for I mean you already said it it's Boris they don't have a great relationship with him I love your idea about sitting him down bottle of wine some food yeah and just smoothing it out because you're gonna have to deal with this guy from here on out so I don't care if you don't like him Rick kind of has a good relationship with him so Rendon is one of my guys. Dallas Keuchel is one of my guys. Um, Henry Aru would be good. I'm saying that badly, but <laughs> it's okay. I got you. And so yeah. I would love to have like the Keuchel and Aru would be good because it would take one. It would have one lefty in the uh, rotation. I don't think currently we have one except for Rodon, and he's not coming back until like July. So those type of guys, yeah. and then if we can get. Gr- as Yasmani Grandal to shore up the catching spot, yeah. and then there we that, go. that by trade like puts James McCann either a platoon DH backup catcher that's much better, and then yep. maybe Encarnacion because we missed out on JD Martinez. Those are the people I'm kind of looking for. 
I was so mad last year when Nelson Cruz not only didn't sign with the White Sox, but went to the Twins. Not saying that like they they would have done anything different in 2019. I just I'm a big Nelson Cruz uh, how, believer. How can't as you he be? gets older? He is so great. Yeah, yeah, I know, and he he showed it. <laughs> he showed it this year on Southside as Lucas Giolito. I'm going to try three different pitches, and Nelson's like, I'm going to hit a home run on all three of them. Mm-hmm. But okay, I, I, I'm I'm in on all the guys you mentioned. I love Anthony Rendon. He is one of those dudes that you can just drop into any clubhouse, and the clubhouse will kind of just mold itself around him. Uh, he's just the same guy every single day, whether it's uh, the best day he's had at the plate or the worst day he's had. He just like he has that perspective that this is just a game. This doesn't really matter, and that kind of allows him to go out and rake every single day. Um, I, I, I love that Anthony Castrovitz, my guy from MLB.com, he made the bold prediction that Garrett Cole would sign with the White Sox. Um, I've seen Jim Bowden say that the Sox were one of the best fits for Rendon. I've read the tweets and the reports out there about Grandal or Nicholas Castellanos. I love all that. But, Herb, you know what that means for us? Based on what's ingrained in us as White Sox fans, all that means is that Ivan Nova is coming back. Gio Gonzalez is coming back with them. Cole Calhoun and Corey Dickerson are going to be the big outfield bats that are inked. And Zach Collins is going to be James McCann's partner for a full season uh, behind the plate. That's kind of that's that pessimism taking over my body again, Herb. I don't know how to control that. It's like we're in lockstep. I literally said they're going to get... Like I did the what I want wish list, and then I did the yeah. episode where it's these are the guys that are actually going to get. It was Howie Kendrick, Cole Calhoun, and I yeah. forgot the third guy was actually good. <laughs> it was Wheeler, so I was like, it's fine. Yeah. It's not great, but it's a, like a downshift. It's fine. It's in, fine. And yeah, we're getting our hopes we're, up too high for good people. It's gonna make us go back down. The Manny thing <laughs> almost killed all of us. Oh. Man, we are we are the, the the dog in the burning room. This is fine. It's fine. Everything's going to be. It's great. We're we're good. I, and and uh, due respect to Cole Calhoun because he would be a huge upgrade defensively in right field. Um, and Corey Dickerson, like yeah, he had a, he had a nice 2019. His OPS was is, that's that's a shiny thing that he can wave at the White Sox and maybe get some money. Like because I, I just don't know if you know Basave or Walker, or Rutherford, or Micker, or Gonzalez, or any of these dudes are ever, like, if they're going to turn into anything in right field, so you can't be like, ooh, short-term stopgap. Like, we, at the end of the day, we also don't know if Yohan and Timmy are, like, if, if this year, they have to do it another year, right? So, or just prove that they can do this consistently. Um, because the league is going to adjust back to the adjustments they made this year. So I'm also kind of nervous about that. Um, but that 545 OPS in right field, I mean, my lord! I mean, like, so, so I, I get the the allure of a Castellanos who's got good numbers um, at our at the Stocks ballpark. Uh, but yeah, it it is like it's just it's a bad exercise doing what you want and what you is like realistic, uh, especially in free agency, because we're just going to drive ourselves up a wall uh, over these next couple of months. I said it the other day that. White Sox fans are the most diehard fans in sports. I know a lot of people say that, but all the stuff that we go through and then we MIB flashy thing ourselves every offseason and say, oh, hope springs yeah. eternal, here we go. I mean, we're just diehard fans, and if you're a White Sox fan, you're for life. You're not leaving. It's really tough no. to leave, even though they give you some reasons too. But, you know, they know 
that you're going to stay. And when it is great, like 2005, it's the best thing of all time. Oh, five forever. Oh, five forever. Never. And man, going through that postseason, like in Southern California, surrounded by all the Angel fans, mm. and all my buddies are rooting for the Halos and waving their rally monkeys. And I just bring up Doug Edding's name and just trigger them. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and, and obviously that roster is legendary. We'll never forget it. But like, you know, 15 years, you know, this, it, next year in 2020, like that's the, that's the anniversary. So like part of me, like it's hopeful that hey, now that you've you've got three years of this rebuild behind you, let's take another step toward competitiveness on the fifth, you know fifteenth anniversary of the World Series. Like, oh, that would be a special story. That's just like the sappy broadcaster in me talking. Um, but you know, hey, free, it, it, there are trades out there. I think there are realistic trades out there for this team to potentially make as well. You know, because we can we can talk ourselves in circles when it comes to free agents, but. You know, you look at the Mets, like they kind of have um, an abundance of left-handed bats who can play corner outfield spots. Like I, I covered Michael Conforto in college. I absolutely love him. Another Boris guy um, and will cost you more probably than a guy like Brandon Nimmo who, who might fit. I, I know you're a fan of, of Starling Marte in Pittsburgh. Of course. Um, so there, there are a ton of avenues and flexibility for the front office to improve the ball club. And so at the end of the day, um, despite our tendencies as fans, uh, despite the history in terms of big contracts handed out in free agency, like the, the, the Sox are sitting in, in a good spot relative to the Red Sox, for example, who are now having to entertain the idea of trading Mookie freaking bets because they signed some other bloated contracts elsewhere on the roster. It is wild. Just so the Sox are in a good spot. If you just have that perspective, we're okay for now. For now. Yeah. And the last thing I got for you, and this has been excellent. I appreciate your time. Your thoughts. I'm in no hurry, Herb. I'm, I got all day uh, to go nowhere. No problem. You're, I just want to know your thoughts on Ricky Renteria. I am not a fan of manager. I don't really care. I think they're negligible managers. Um, Ricky Renteria <laughs> kind of irritates me of how much he bunts. What are your thoughts no. on how, what he does? Yeah, uh, you kind of. I was going to troll you a little bit and say I need more bunts, Herb. Um, but, but, but I don't want to drive you crazy on your show. Um, 2020 is, is it for Ricky? I mean, it seems like he's aware of it. He said it. We all know it. That the page has been turned. Time to compete. He's 83 games under a Sox manager. But again, I've tried to be patient, and I'm not going to hold the roster against him because it's been sub, 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 suboptimal. Um, it's way under there. But he's had three years now to instill his foundation and his culture. So I want to say by the time spring training opens you know, next year, that roster is going to look a lot better, and he'll have the tools to go out and compete. And um, listen, maybe uh, I, I know everybody, I would love to have a postseason ball club to, on, on the south side of Chicago next year. I would. Uh, I would frankly, just take a, a winning record to start things off next year. So um, he's going to, you know, bringing in Menachino to take over hitting, hitting coach duties and, you know, figure to have Robert and, and Madrigal, if not out the gate, then sometime in the first, you know, first month. Um, so you'll have some, some shiny toys to play with, but the fact of the matter is he's, he's got to put dubs up there for the, for the Sox. And in this division, um, which is kind of there 
to the taking. Like Minnesota, they have question marks this offseason. You know, is is Barrios going to take a step forward and be consistent? Is uh, is that rotation um, going to be built out better than it was in 2019? Because that hindered them in the postseason. We saw that. Like, or is the Bomba squad going to hit as many bombs as it did in 2019? Also not a guarantee. You know, the Cleveland, obviously a lot can happen with that organization. Will they trade Francisco Lindor? Insane. But given um, the constraints of the market, apparently, he might be gone. So, like, all, all that to say that the Central is um, not scaring anybody, so it shouldn't scare the White Sox and Rick Renteria from competing next year. And if he doesn't, then, well, you know what? Yeah, I, I, the writing might be on the wall there. I'm not calling. I, I'm, I'm never in favor of like rooting for anybody to lose their job. Like I just maybe I'm just a, a sap and a softy in that way. But hey, man, uh, put up or shut up time in 2020. That makes sense. And yeah, me either. I, I don't want the man to necessarily lose his job. I just want him to stop doing bad things. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, Herb. Now see now now I'm back. Yonder Alonso had more games in the cleanup spot than Aloy Jimenez. I don't care that Aloy's a rookie. I don't. TA, like Timmy batting seventh for half the year. Like, what are we doing? I think the White Sox might be the only, I haven't researched this, the only team to have a guy hit cleanup for a certain amount of games and then DFA'd like the next day. And that was like A.J. Reed. He was just like, oh, you're kind of big. You're supposed to hit home runs and lumbering. Here, clean up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, again, uh, there's a balance there. The sappy, softy, and then, what are we doing, Rick? <laughs> I, had to, I had to bring it back home. I appreciate your time here, Stephen. It's been uh, excellent. Uh, good to catch up with you. And hopefully, if you come into town next season, we can catch up, make a game or something like that, get a beer, get a brat at uh, U.S. Cellular yeah. slash Guaranteed Rate Field. Next time, next time I'm there, I'm all the way in. Uh, on meeting up, or at the very least, coming back on lockdown anytime, Herb. Thank you very much, Stephen Nelson from MLB Network, NHL Network, The Zone Network, everywhere on TV or on the internet, you'll find him. <laughs> and he's a White Sox fan, representing for us on a national level. Thank you very much, Stephen. You got it, brother. That'll do it for Locked On White Sox. We appreciate Stephen Nelson for coming on with us. And you listening, and I just received word, we're on Apple. So we're on Stitcher. We're on Apple. We're on Google Play. We're on anywhere you got to find your podcast. So no more excuses. Tell your friend. Download the Locked on White Sox podcast and join us while we talk White Sox baseball.